Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are live. It is a Thursday morning. It is the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I do say we today because Scott is back on the microphone uh, at Spartan Martin 18. You can always follow me as well at Standing Room MSU. Scott, uh, you weren't with us on Monday, so uh, luckily you don't have to really talk about the Iowa game if you don't want to. Uh, but we're, we're, you know, a couple days removed from that. We're getting ready for the next game. I don't know if it's the old, uh, coaching adage of just, you know, throw out the tape. We're not rewatching this one and let's move on to the next week. But I'm sitting here on a Wednesday as we're recording this thing. How are we doing? Good, good. Happy to be back. Uh, I was escaping reality, taking advantage of some, uh, nice end of fall weather this weekend, got outside a little bit and, uh, picked a good, obviously a good day to, to ignore the game. So uh, we'll pepper in a little bit of analysis as we talk about Indiana. Obviously, there's some things to, to draw on from this game, but really not a whole lot of positive to talk about uh, as I look back. So uh, going to keep looking forward here. And like I said, we'll, we'll bring some stuff up from this game as we get into Iowa, but not going to dwell on that one. Yeah, I mean, really everything that needed to be said has been said about that one. Like I said, maybe you just go with the old coaching strategy of throwing out the tape and and just moving on to the next week so uh we'll we'll get into the indiana preview here this week we'll talk about mel tucker's press conference as well i think there was a couple uh notable things to to mention there um rocky lombardi also spoke after the iowa game i I have a couple comments about that um but we're we're gonna start with a Twitter question. Uh, we'll dip into the mailbag here for a second because Scott Brown, SL Brownie on Twitter asked a good question. Let me pull up exactly what it was. It was something about overachieving and underachieving players here. Uh, but it was asking who who this year in twenty twenty so far, who is your most overachieving and underachieving player so far this season. I think obviously we could come up with a pretty big list of underachieving players um, on really both sides of the ball, to be completely honest. But um, Scott, we'll start, we'll start optimistic here. Who is somebody that has overachieved somebody that's really popped out to you this year? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's no secret. Obviously if you watch the Michigan game, I, I think Ricky white definitely sticks out. He's uh he was a little quieter last week, only had one catch, but 
you know, coming into this season, he was second string behind Trey Mosley. I, I don't think we really know where that stands if Mosley comes back right now. But, um, you know, I don't think anybody really expected what we've seen so far from him and uh, obviously fills out that uh, receiving core real well. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, what's what's there to be said? Obviously, we broke his, his performance down against Michigan, and it was outstanding, one of the best receiving performances we've ever seen from an MSU wide receiver. So, uh, obviously, it's great to have him. Uh, whether or not we have the right guy in place to get the ball to him is something we'll probably talk about a little bit later, but obviously excited to see Ricky White continue to progress. Uh, he's got tons of time left in the program, and hopefully he will uh, only get better. Yeah, and uh, like you said, we'll we'll talk about that. Of course, we do have Scott Martin, proponent of the the Rocky Lombardi fan club, lead member, and uh, of of fame in the Gardening Kings group me, where he was canceled for his Rocky Lombardi takes earlier this year, but he has resurrected himself. He has seen the light. He has come back. So. Um, yeah, I mean, as far as overachieving players, like I said, there's, there's not a whole lot for me because a lot of the guys that have played well, we expected to play well. Antoine Simmons has played well. We saw that coming. We saw, um, J- Jacob Panishuk is a guy that I talked about quite a bit and he's played pretty well this year, but one guy that, that I, I talked a little bit about in the off season, I said, you know, Hey, this is a good rotational guy on the defensive line, but has really stood out to me. And, and again, that's mostly from the Michigan game, but he's shown flashes in the other games as well. And that's Deshaun Mallory on the defensive line. I think really every time that he's gotten a chance, he's made some plays in the backfield. So um, the consistently certainly isn't there yet, but I think he is further along in his progress to being a starting caliber defensive tackle in the big 10 than I thought he would be at this point. So um, that's somebody who has pretty really impressed me pretty much every time he's been in there. Again, obviously you look back last week, defensive line as a whole really struggled and he was certainly a part of that, but um, he's definitely shown flashes to, to show me that when Naquan Jones is, is out of here next year um, and we're looking for somebody to replace him, Deshaun Mallory is a guy who can slip into that starting lineup and, and really be productive in there. Um, So moving to the underachieving players, um, there's quite a few, obviously. Um, Scott, we'll let you kick this one off. Who's who's been underappreciated or underachieving here so far this year? Yeah, I mean, like you said, you could pretty much just throw a dart at the at the depth chart here and hit somebody who's been underachieving one way or another. But, um, you know, I think one guy that that a lot of people have made a lot of is, is Eli Collins. Um, I, I point him out not so much because he's underperforming even more in comparison to his teammates, but I think more so because of the expectations that we had for him preseason. Um, obviously, this was a guy we were expecting our offense to be built around this year um, to, to take the next step and really become a top Big Ten rusher. Obviously, he was the, you know, he brought the most yards back to the Big Ten from last season, um, and, and we expected a lot. And Early in the season, a lot of people were giving Mel Tucker some some flack for not playing him. But as he started to get carries peppered in over the first three games here, I think we're starting to see why. And I don't know if it's mental, physical, what it is, but he just doesn't seem to have that burst and that vision that he was showing last season. Um, Hopefully he'll break through. But, you know, Tucker has said over and over, the guys who play well in practice are the guys who are getting touches on the field. And obviously they're now um, factoring in game performance as well and 
if his practices look like his games, I, I'm not surprised he's not getting the carries. I'm just surprised to see the regression because he was so stellar last season. He was making more out of, I think, what more than what we would expect from him out of the touches he was getting last year. The offensive line wasn't great. They weren't even opening up great holes, but he was just making plays, and it, it feels like the opposite this year. So um, you could make a case for Jordan Simmons, um, you know, potentially – filling that role and showing that same kind of burst this year, if you want to talk about potentially another overachieving uh, player, but yeah, I mean, Eli Collins, where is he? Is he going to find his groove again? Um, granted this running game has looked pretty bad regardless of who the ball, you know, whose hands the ball is in, but, uh, but hopefully we can see a breakout again. We know the talent is there. Uh, so he's really stuck out. Yeah. I, I thought about uh, Jordan Simmons for the the overachieving player because he has shown a few flashes, but you know at the end of the day, you really look it's still sitting at three and a half yards to carry. Like he's he's really not uh, blowing the doors off of the Big Ten competition so far. But the the one guy I'll go to with my underachieving player, if I had to pick just one, would be Trenton Gillison. This is somebody that I had pretty high hopes for going into this season. I thought he could be a pretty dynamic playmaker. He showed, he showed flashes certainly last year and, and especially in the bowl game against Wake Forest uh, of being a real playmaker at the tight end position, kind of one of those mismatch nightmares that we see. And so far this year, he has three catches for 26 yards. There's just been really nothing going for him. He's been split in time, and we even saw recently last uh, last weekend Tyler Hunt starting getting involved to the tight end spot. There certainly hasn't been the you know dominance that I've expected from him. The 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 ability to just take over that job and be the clear cut number one tight end in this offense. I mean, Matt Dotson has had a couple more catches than him and, and has been a lot more productive. In general, again, you start getting Tyler Hunt involved, and it's just um, hasn't really been too exciting here for Trenton Gillison, somebody that I expected to kind of take that next step forward. And I think I predicted him to lead the team in touchdown catches, and he certainly is is a far way away from there. So, um, a good Sorry, question. I had, uh, I had Eli Collins, so he was probably <laughs> still doing better than me. That's true. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. Good question by Scott Brown, uh, as always, but I just wanted to start off there before we kick it into the Indiana discussion here, where we'll start with, with another comment on Twitter. This, this was something that, um, I, I was curious about because we've, we've made a lot of, about Rocky Lombardi so far, and I think for, for good reason, but I did put a poll out on Twitter, uh, about if we will see more than one quarterback in the game uh, this coming Saturday. Uh, and, and you could take that a couple of different ways. I, I left it ambiguous for a reason because I think we all saw on Saturday that, that Rocky was clearly dealing with something, you know, whether he was clear, really actually injured or, you know, just playing through some pain. Uh, but he, he didn't really look that, I don't know, he didn't look healthy. Uh, I'll just say it that way. Um, so whether you wanted to take that as, uh, well, he hasn't been playing well, let's give another guy a shot or whether you want to take it as, Hey, look, he doesn't look very healthy. They're, they're going to give somebody else a chance. So, uh, will we see more than one quarterback against Indiana? 62% say no. Uh, but that still leaves 38% of you out there that, that still believe we're going to see another quarterback in there. So, 
Um, Scott, I know you watched the game on Saturday. Like the, the health was clearly something wrong there, but overall, I'm not going to let that be an excuse because I think he played poorly and most of it was, was decision-making and not necessarily health related. So, um, you think there's a shot of us getting another, another quarterback in there? You know, it's, this is an interesting conversation because I think we've had, you know, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording game one against Rutgers. There seemed to be the opportunity to play a second quarterback. We didn't Michigan Rocky played well, no need to, to make an adjustment, but if there was a game where you were, or a situation where you were going to see another quarterback step in and get some reps under in this offense, it was last week. We were on the road. We were getting pummeled. Rocky didn't look healthy or comfortable is, you know, pretty much the entire second half was garbage time. I mean, you could not draw up a situation more suited to have a backup quarterback come in and let us see what, you know, stretch out his arm a little bit. Let let us see what he has. And that just tells me Mel Tucker, he likes to make his personnel decisions for any given game before the game. And unless something drastic happens, he sticks with those guys. And not only at quarterback, I mean, the receivers, he really doesn't rotate out those top three guys very often. Um, The offensive line has a pretty solid six to seven guy rotation, which isn't uncommon, but they're also, you know, they have the availability to pepper a couple more guys in and they haven't, you know, all all across the field, we've seen that they they make these personnel decisions and these starting lineups and they really, and especially on the offensive side of the ball, they really stick with their guys. So I don't know if that's a confidence thing or a lack of confidence in the backups or what it might be, but I get the impression that Mel Tucker is the type that doesn't like to do his experimentation in games. He likes to do it in practice and he sticks with his guys in the game. So I was one of the ones who voted that we will probably only see one quarterback. If the health thing becomes a bigger issue, let's say Rocky does have like a hip problem and a, a, you know, a bad hit in the first half exacerbates it. Maybe that changes things, but assuming he's healthy enough to, to trot out there, I think we're probably going to see one quarterback. And if I had to bet, I'd say it's probably going to be Rocky the whole game. Um, I don't love it. You know, I think especially given the direction the season is starting to head, I think you need, and the eligibility thing, not, you know, being able to save red shirts for everyone and everything. I don't see why you wouldn't try to see someone else in game action, but I mean, Mel Tucker, he obviously has his preferences for style and and for rotating guys. And I think we'll, he'll probably continue to stick to that. Yeah. And, and like everybody knows my thoughts on it. If you listen to Monday's podcast, so I, I won't spend too much time on it, but Rocky Lombardi did have a zoom press conference that he, he said a couple things that I thought were noteworthy. Um, one was that somebody was asking him about trying to make plays or, or, you know, what was going on with the turnovers. And he said, quote, he was trying to do a little too much. <laughs> it was like, I was just laughing. Cause I'm like, yeah, just, just a little bit Rocky when you have, somebody in your face you're rolling rolling left throwing across your body and try like yeah just a little bit you know no he's he's got to learn to to just take a playoff and just throw it out of bounds I talked about it enough but somebody also asked him if he was injured and he his response was that quote everybody's banged up so he was certainly (laughs) avoiding that question uh whether however much you want to look into that feel free but yeah that was his response was everybody's banged up so i don't know there's maybe something going on there but uh let's let's talk about this indiana game so we'll we'll get into the preview here 
Uh, just to, to kind of start with some information about Indiana, if you haven't seen, well, they're a top 10 team. Yes, that Indiana is a top 10 football team. 3-0 and started off the season uh, with a big win against Penn State in overtime, 36-35. to uh, Rutgers week two, they won 37 to 21. And then U of M last weekend, the one good thing that came out of the weekend for Michigan state fans was a 38 to 21 win against Michigan and Jim Harbaugh. Um, speaking of good things that happened out of the weekend, maybe we'll touch on this at the end. I totally forgot to bring this up. Uh, as Scott and I were talking in the, the pre-show meeting, I guess you want to call it. Um, I was like, man, I feel like I'm missing something. Uh, we signed three commits to, to add to oh, our recruiting hey. classes. So uh, maybe we'll get to that at the end. So more than one good thing, I guess, coming out of the weekend. But um, getting back to Indiana here uh, against Michigan, again, 38-21 win. They were up 24-7 at halftime. It was just a dominating performance. And it's a team that's done it a different way every time. It's a really versatile team. They've done it with offense. They've done it with defense. Their special teams has been solid. They don't turn the ball over on offense. They turn you over on defense. It's a good team. It's a well-coached team. It's an experienced team. And it's led by by Michael Penix at quarterback, 750 yards, seven touchdowns to one interception so far this year. He is a dual threat guy. He's certainly capable of running. He hasn't really shown that so far this year. Has a couple rushing touchdowns, but not too many yards. Stevie Scott's leading the backfield where... Uh, they they haven't really been that productive this year running the ball, but he's a running back with well over 2,000 career rushing yards. He certainly has a lot of experience. So, you know, if you give him the opportunity, if you give him the lanes, he can make you pay. And then their pass, pass catching group, you have Wap Fillier, who had 1,000 yards last year. He's on pace for another good season. Ty Fry Fogle had a big game against Michigan last week, 225 and two touchdowns so far this year. Peyton Hendershot, their tight end, has three touchdown catches as well. So um, it's it's a pretty interesting, exciting offense in, in all phases, but they they haven't really been able to string together a, a, too many big yardage performances, but they're third in the conference in scoring with uh, 37 yard points per game. So um, the offense has certainly kind of been up and down, but at the end of the day, they're putting points on the board. On uh, defense, the, again, they're forcing turnovers, and it's really led by their back seven. They have some great defensive backs. Taiwan Mullen has three interceptions, uh, or Ty, uh, Jalen Williams has three interceptions. Taiwan Mullen, 17 tackles, a couple pass breakups, a couple sacks. Um, Devon Matthews has an interception, a sack, a couple pass breakups. And then Micah McFadden is their star linebacker who's who's been all over the field for them. So, that's, you know, kind of the quick rundown of their team. Scott, what have you seen so far from Indiana? A 3-0 and top 10 in the country, Indiana Hoosiers. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned they're well-rounded. Um, as you break them down, it's, it's kind of tough to break them down because you don't really know what the X factor is going to be on their team any given day. Like you said, Michael Penix, he's had a good, relatively efficient um, season so far. He doesn't make a whole lot of mistakes that are really going to kill you. But at the same time, he hasn't exactly, you know, blown the roof off in any of these games. They're running attack. I mean, they're averaging under a hundred yards a game on the ground. Um, and their defense, you know, it's, it's not necessarily Ben don't break, you know, they make quite a few plays and, and they, they've certainly stopped the run against Michigan last week, but you don't really know exactly what the strength and the weakness is going to be any given day. So, 
Um, you know, as I look at their offense, I think one thing that sticks out is they do have two very talented wide receivers in Fillier and, and Freifogel. Um, they both <laughs> lit up, especially Freifogel, but they both had great games last week against Michigan. Obviously, we know Michigan's corners have been getting burned in man coverage all season, so take that with a grain of salt. But um, I think this is going to be an interesting test for our corners. Um, they, When you look at Rutgers, Michigan, and Iowa, none of them had a particularly uh, inspiring wide receiver core. So this is certainly going to stress them a little bit more. And this Indiana team, you know, it has a habit of getting the ball to the outside to their playmakers quickly and letting them make plays, whether that's on slants or quick, um, you know, bubble screens or five yard hitches, anything like that. They want to get the ball in athletes' hands and let them make plays. So it's kind of a tale of which team shows up against Michigan. You know, we made a lot of the tackling performance we had. We rallied to the ball immediately. You know, in the passing game, as soon as a receiver was catching the ball, there was a guy draped on him, taking him down. Against Iowa, it was a lot worse. Uh, there was missed tackles. There was space when they were catching the balls. So, you know, what are we going to see from our corners as they line up against these wide receivers? Michael Penix has the arm to make the throws. I don't necessarily expect him to dominate us, but uh, but he will stress our defense. And uh, yeah, so from from a defensive perspective, I do think it's going to come down to how our corners are, you know, covering these wide receivers. The running game, Iowa had a decent week last week, but if you take away the seventy-one yard touchdown, uh, not touchdown, but the seventy-one yard rush they had against us, you know, their average falls below four yards per carry. Still, kind of efficient, but nothing extremely gashing so I think we'll handle this rushing attack I don't think Indiana is the type of team that's really going to take advantage of their rushing game um, but as we talked about before this game what it I think is going to come down to again and it's starting to become a theme in this is is are we going to protect the ball on offense and keep our defense off the field and what do the other team's cornerbacks look like because we really haven't shown an aptitude to throw the ball underneath at all you know, throwing between zones or anything. So are we going to get space over the top? Is Rocky going to be able to let it, let it loose? You know, the howitzer that he does have, is he going to get to use it? Um, and what's that going to look like? So again, kind of a tough one to break down because Indiana's shown different things in different games, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Yeah. It's, it's funny you say that because I've, who was it on Twitter? Uh, there was a comment about, Rocky Lombardi being two for two on deep balls last week against Iowa. We really only threw the ball down the field two times. We completed both of them. And somebody, it might have been Graham Couch in his column after the game. He, and he said, he said, that's like Steph Curry going two for two from downtown. Like you can't keep a great shooter like that and only let him shoot two times. Like <laughs> Steph Curry can't go two for two. If he goes two for 15 or 14 for 15, like that, that's a different story, but you can't let a guy like that go two for two. And I, I know that he wasn't trying to make the comparison of Rocky Lombardi to Steph Curry. But it was it was an interesting perspective on it. We'll we'll just kind of leave it at that because uh, <laughs> Steph Curry throwing throwing up three balls and and Rocky Lombardi throwing deep passes. I don't know. Maybe there's something there. But um, yeah. And one other note too. I mean, on the deep ball, when you look at these stats from from Indiana's defense, they have eight sacks this year, which is okay. I mean, you know, just under three a game. It's something to think about, but not exactly 
something that's going to dominate you. But what stuck out in that stat is four and a half of their eight sacks are from defensive backs. So they, they love to bring these defensive backs down into the offensive backfield, try to get, get them around the edge quickly and get some sacks. Um, Michigan was probably the team we faced that blitzed the most. Iowa didn't do much and Rutgers peppered it in. But what will be interesting to see is when we do get those blitzes from defensive backs, we're going to have one-on-one coverage on the outside with these talented wide receivers. And so I think we will get more opportunities in this game to throw it over the top than we did against Iowa. Whether or not Rocky will take advantage of those obviously is yet to be seen, but keep an eye on that. That might be something we get a little bit more of this week. Yeah, no, that's a good point because really the only offense we've had is throwing the ball downfield. So if we get any opportunities at this point, we, we just got to incorporate that into our offense as much as we can, because those big chunk plays have been the only way we're moving the ball downfield. And, um, you know, we, we, you mentioned the turnovers. I think that's obviously going to be a huge part of this game as, as it is for every football game, but, um, with Michigan state, it's been clear and obvious that if we turn the ball over, bad things happen. And if we don't turn the ball over, maybe we can keep ourselves in the game. Uh, Mel Tucker in the press conference, I was watching that earlier today. He just kept stressing not, you know, defense forcing turnovers. Uh, he, he mentioned that that's a big pre- focus in practice this week because, our defense has forced three turnovers this year and they were all against Rutgers in week one. The last two weeks, we haven't forced any turnovers. Um, and, and we're on offense, we're turning the ball over like crazy. So that's going to be a big part of this game. Obviously he, he, the focus is technique, fundamentals, discipline. I think he said those three words like a hundred times this week in his press conference in 40 minutes. So, um, there, there was a continued focus on, on, on that. And he mentioned that there were, I said on, on last week's on, on Monday's podcast, excuse me, that 10 out of our 15 offensive drives ended in either a turnover or a three and out. Um, and one thing that, uh, that was interesting with Mel Tucker is he said, look, we had 15 drives on offense. Six of them were, were a result of us hurting ourselves, whether that was a turnover whether it was a drop pass on third down, whether it was a penalty. Um, so yeah, that, that just goes to show that, you know, these, these big moments, these clutch situations, we've been struggling and we just, we need to stop hurting ourselves. We need to allow our playmakers to make plays. We need to stop turning the ball over, stop getting these stupid penalties. Um, and that's going to be a big part of this game. Since we're on the press conference, just one other thing that I thought was interesting. He, he mentioned that there's a big focus on the process and not the outcome for this season. So what that tells me is they're, they're looking to identify players moving forward and not necessarily focusing on the win-loss column. Um, he did play Julian Barnett and Angelo Gross at defensive back last week. Um, so maybe that's something where the staff is starting to realize like, Hey, you know what? We might not be that good this year. So let's, let's at least give a shot to these guys across the roster and, and allow them to, to show us something on offense or defense. He he'd said that a couple of times where we're looking for guys who are going to show us that, the, that they're willing to improve, that they're willing to play. So uh, that's going to be interesting this week is, is who are those, young players who are those rotational guys that we're looking to get involved. Is Julian Barnett going to have a bigger role this week? Is Angelo gross going to get on the field this, this week a little bit more because when I did see gross specifically, I think he, he made a couple plays. He looked pretty good. 
Um, Julian Barnett, I, I really honestly only saw him out there because I noticed the Jersey number. I, I don't really think he was in on any plays that I can remember, but um, that's going to be an interesting note this week on, on how we kind of incorporate some of these guys into the lineup. Yeah. It, you know, on defense, I think we're doing a good job of starting to pepper some of these young guys in even on offense. You're starting to see it um, with different options. We mentioned Tyler hunt coming in at tight end. You've got uh, Cade McDonald who had a couple good catches against Michigan. I, I didn't notice him last week, but it was still nice to see other freshmen. Uh, Jalen Hunt, another guy who you mentioned to Sean yep. Mallory at defensive tackle. Jalen Hunt's been making some plays too as a redshirt freshman. That's obviously great to see. Uh, he's already getting some penetration and disrupting some plays. So um, yeah, on defense, I really like what we're doing. We're getting a good mix. Um, and I think, relative to what we would have expected we've probably seen a little bit more production out of a lot of these guys than we were expecting especially the young second third stringers that are coming in on offense uh it's, it's a bit hit or miss depending on the position i mentioned at wide receiver we did see Cade mcdonald um but we really haven't been featuring a, a, a huge stable there uh granted our depth is, is rather limited uh tight end we've been rotating three guys which is great to see offensive line has been a little bit limited but i think we've kind of identified the guys we like there. Um, I'd like to see, you know, guys like Spencer Brown and um, Devontae Dobbs a little bit more. I'm surprised they haven't been rotating through, especially later in the games, but who knows where they're at in their development. Um, and at running back, obviously we have a good stable. We're playing young guys, we're playing veteran guys and everything. So that just comes down to quarterback. I know it's the hardest position to rotate. You want stability at quarterback, but if this is truly about the process and not the outcome, you know, I, we, I mentioned it in our pre-game or pre-podcast talk a little bit. It, I'm it's getting our pre-game. a little bit of, <laughs> it's our pre-game. Uh, I'm getting Andrew Maxwell, Connor Cook vibes. I don't know if we have a Connor Cook on the bench, not to say Day or Thorne are that guy. But I'm getting like some Andrew Maxwell stink on this team right now where like because he was the experienced guy, he was the backup for a long time. Rocky Lombardi is getting his shot. But why aren't we giving somebody else some snaps at some point? A series here and there. I know I know I think it was uh, was it Peyton Thorne that came in this past weekend, yep. uh, but he and just handed the ball a chance off three to times. throw the ball once. Yeah, it was yeah and really just, exciting. I, if it's truly about the process, you look at the eligibility, all three of these guys have plenty of eligibility left. If one of them hits, it could be a program builder. And I just don't, Rocky's not showing you a reason to give him the reins and just let him run with it. I mean, who knows what they're seeing in practice. And we talked about this a little bit. Thorne and Day could be far worse than we expected. But in all reality, Rocky, he's showing a lot of weaknesses at this point. I know you said I'm president of the fan club and I really was, but that was put to the test this past week. I mean, I, people were saying he was banged up, but as I watched the second half of that game, he made a few tough throws that needed a lot behind them. And then he would try the exact same throws and absolutely whiff. I mean, he was bouncing throws in five yards in front of his receivers and they were not long throws. These are short routes and he's throwing them six, seven, eight feet too low. Um, and there are throws that he's making the next time he does it or the previous time he does it. So it's not that the injury was holding him back from being able to make that throw. Right. It was something else in his technique and his whatever it is that 
was throwing him off. And, and that was one yeah. where one it was one of the deep balls to Jalen Naylor. And it was later on in the game, and it was a strike. Like, he yeah. threw that thing on a rope, like, 45 yards down the field. So that's where I'm like, I don't know, like, you know, maybe he is banged up or something. But it's clearly not going to hold him back from making those type of throws because that throw was on a rope, and it was 45, 50 yards downfield. So that's where, like you said, it comes back to – it's technique, it's footwork, it's it's a mess right now. And his decision-making on top of that is, oh, oh boy. Because some, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and, you know, if there's one, I guess, qualifier for Rocky Lombardi, it's that I think when he makes his mistakes, it's when he's trying to do too much, which is a sign of a good competitor. Obviously, a lot has been made of his competitive spirit and the fact that he never gives up, which is admirable, it's great. But when it comes to quarterbacks, a lot of times young quarterbacks try to do too much and that's what causes disasters. And that's what we're seeing with him. So I would tend to say that's what the issue is, except that the not so disastrous plays, you know, just some of these incompletions are real, real head scratchers of the, I mean, they're just huge misses. It's not, and it's not that he doesn't have the physical ability. It's, I don't know if it's the pressure. I don't know if he was just rattled and couldn't get out of his own head last week. Cause obviously he was having a poor game, but it's just at this point, I don't see good enough performances from him to warrant him getting the only snaps at quarterback, especially considering we have two losses this year. We had the great win against Michigan, but it's looking like we're probably going to have more losses than wins. Um, and, and it's, it's a building year and there's no eligibility concerns. You could put Noah Kim in and still redshirt him <laughs> if you wanted to. I mean, it's no Kim time, baby, throw him in there. Kim sanity. It's coming. Um, yeah. I, I just don't get it when it comes to Rocky and why he's getting all the snaps, but I, I know you probably hammered that point home on Monday. So oh, yeah. um, we won't <laughs> My, belabor it too much. Since you mentioned it, I just, I don't remember if I brought this up in a preseason podcast or something, but my favorite thing about Noah Kim was when reporters were asking Mel Tucker about the quarterbacks going into the season. And that was when we, there was this mythical quarterback competition and they were asking him and he was talking up all these guys and, you know, Rocky Lombardi is a great competitor. He's experienced on Theo day. He's got a great arm. He's, you know, really live in practice. Peyton Thorne. He's a, he's really athletic kid. Uh, Noah Kim. Uh, he takes great notes in the film room. <laughs> it's like, oh boy, <laughs> that's, that's rough for the kid. But um, no, no, let's, let's bring this back to Indiana because I, I want to make sure we get a prediction out there. And uh, I do want to kind of at least touch on these recruits that we picked up uh, before we wrap this thing up. So getting back on, on track here to the Indiana game. Um, I'm a sucker for statistical anomalies and, and Indiana has been one. Um, where they're 12th in the conference in yards per game on offense and they're third in the conference with 37 points a game. So it just, I don't know, this is a team that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. If there are some, some kind of reasons for optimism, they don't run the ball very well at all. Um, they're, they're running for 89 yards a game. That's 13th in the conference right in front of us at 78 yards per game. Uh, they're running for three yards per carry. Uh, their offense, in general, I mean, it hasn't been that efficient. They're at five yards per play, which is tied for us with, for 11th in the conference. I mean, if if we can just 
not turn the ball over and give them good field position. I mean, that's, that's kind of been their bread and butter a lot this season is, is forcing a turnover on defense, getting the ball in, in good field position, punching it in for a touchdown and taking advantage. So um, if, if we can find a way to limit those turnovers, I think we might be in good shape here. Um, Defensively, they're, they're pretty similar to us in terms of all the numbers, you know, yards per game, passing yards per game, yards per carry allowed. They're all pretty similar to us. But one big difference is they're allowing 26 points per game and we're allowing 37 points per game. Obviously, a big factor of that is that 49 points we let up last week to Iowa is going to balloon that that number up, especially when you only played three games. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like the, the teams look pretty similar when you put them down on paper when you're looking at the yards, which is a huge indicator for, for how good a team really is. But We've just turned the ball over. They haven't turned the ball over. They've forced turnovers, and we haven't forced turnovers. So that's really what this game is going to come down to, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing I'm worried about as well. Like We've been a team that's turning the ball over, and we're facing a defense that's taking advantage of those opportunities. So um, other than turnovers, what's kind of the last thing that you're going to have your eye on going into Saturday before we make these picks? Yeah, I mean – at this point, it's a broken record, but how does Rocky respond? You know, what does he look like? Which version of him do we get? We've had two games of, of bad Rocky. We've had one game of good Rocky. He's going to have to make good decisions. Um, and beyond that, for me, it's just going to come down to program momentum, I think. For Indiana, Michigan State's been a team that they've been playing competitively for years and have not really broken through. They grabbed one in 2016 in overtime, obviously we remember that was not our best team, uh, one of our worst teams. Uh, And since I was born, since we were born, we hold the series 19 to three. But this year feels different. It feels like Indiana's broken through a competitive ceiling. Our confidence is gonna be low coming into this game. Indiana's got energy right now. I mean, they are, they're, they're playing wild and they're making the plays. It kind of has almost like a 2015 MSU feel where they're finally reaching the heights they knew they could, uh, not necessarily to that level yet, but just in, as far as the energy goes, they're, they're finally proving to themselves they're the team they hoped they were. And that's a powerful drug. Um, and, and right now they just, I mean, maybe they have a letdown first time in the top 10. Finally, the pressure gets them, but I don't see it. I mean, I think Indiana's going to come out with their hair on fire. We're going to continue to struggle teams have film on us now they know where our weak points are and we haven't really shown an ability to to plug those weak points and and make up for it yet so um i'll hold off my prediction until i get the cue but uh i i like indiana in this one i think they look good yeah and and somebody made a great point i think it was the cover three podcast that it's kind of a national college football podcast and they were like you know if if you took the indiana jerseys off of this team and put on, I don't know, a Notre Dame jersey, a a Florida State jersey, you know, kind of a, a team that you expect to be good. You would look at this team as like a potential top five team in America. I, yeah. They're playing it really well. They they've beaten some decent teams. I I know that you know when you when you roll out Maryland and and Rutgers this year in any given year, that's like wow, okay, cool, they beat Maryland and Rutgers, but this year maybe they don't look so bad. And then you beat a Penn state team in week one 
who still had everything in front of them. They still had a big 10 championship uh, under their, you know, on their radar, you know, looking at the Penn state win now and Owen three Penn state team that you're like, well, you know, are they really that good week one? That was a team that that was motivated. They were ready to come into the season and compete for a big 10 championship. And Indiana just took all that away from them in one week. So it's, it's just a different Indiana team. It's a well-coached team and it's a talented team. So uh, we're playing this Saturday noon Eastern for the old brass spittoon, probably one of the weirdest trophies in college football. I don't know. Is, is there some kind of like COVID restriction with the old brass spittoon? Are they allowed to spit in the spittoon this year? Got to be from a distance. It's going to be like a long spitting contest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Every, everybody like lines up six feet apart from each other. You go to the front of the line, you, you try to like hawk a loogie six yards into it. And then you go, you, you know, you go back into the locker room and I don't know, Nasty. but yeah, the, the, the old brass spittoon it's, it's been around since 1950 uh, Michigan state leads this series 48 to 16 all time. Uh, and we have won 10 of the last 11 years as well. Um, so it's, it's been certainly a rivalry that's been dominated by Michigan state. But like you said, when you line up these teams here in 2020, uh, we, it tells a much different story. One of these teams is heading in the right, right direction. And one of them is heading in the wrong direction. So, uh, we have the, the Vegas predictions here. Vegas has this as a seven and a half point line favoring Indiana, a 51 and a half point over under, which gives you a projected score of somewhere around 29 to 22 in favor of the Hoosiers. Scott, I'll let you start it off here. Who you got and why? So uh, keeping up with my previous predictions, I'm going to give you what I had at the beginning of the year, which was a 34 to 24 Michigan state win at the time. I think I said, I didn't really, I wasn't an Indiana believer uh my tune has changed I think Indiana they have that winning DNA you know a lot of coaches talk about those few plays during a game that you have to have go your way you have to make those plays to win the game especially a team like this where maybe that you know if it's Ohio State there's going to be games where there's not like half a dozen plays that are going to win you the game you pretty much have to make every play to have a chance against them Indiana they don't have that kind of talent so they have the DNA this year to be winning those six to 10 plays throughout the game that go their way that they end up with a win, you know, at the end of it. And it doesn't show up on the stats, but you can feel it when you watch the games, you can see it when, you know, when the pressure's cranked up, it's a big third down or something and they need a play. They're making those, they're converting those. And that's just a DNA thing. It's a confidence thing. And they have the confidence right now. Michigan state's kind of on the other side of that ball. They're probably not trusting a whole lot, of, uh, you know, they don't know what they, they can lean on right now. And going into Indiana with the momentum that they have, it's going to be tough. I think if there's one saving grace that'll keep this close, it's that Indiana's strength is not their rushing game. So our offense is going to get their opportunities. Um, I think it's going to go over 51. I'm going to put it at Indiana 31, Michigan State 24. 31-24 Indiana. All right. Um, and, and just as a heads up again, we're going to get into some of this recruiting stuff right after I give my prediction. So don't turn it off just yet. Uh, but again, I, I look, it's, it's a different Indiana team this year and, and it's a team that just looks experienced, well-coached, but 
it is also a team that when you line up the statistics again, their their offensive yards per play, they haven't been running the ball very well at all. Uh, their their defense has been solid, opportunistic, uh, but when you look at them on a per play basis, it's been league average uh, on defense. Um, so I have this game predicted I, again. If you look at the beginning of the year, I didn't do score projection projections throughout the year, but. Um, I, I probably would have had this one circled a little bit differently and I'm over three on predicting who's going to win these games. So, you know, don't listen to me anyway. I have this game at Michigan state 20, Indiana 26. I got a six point loss for the Spartans. I think that this game does go under again. You look at the yards per play. You look at the yards per game for both of these teams they're not impressive. Uh, we're, we're bottom of the conference. We're, we're both Indiana's 12th in the conference Michigan state's 11th in the conference in yards per game. Um, so that that's been quite interesting to kind of follow. Now the betting trends on this game, I, I did see that between Indiana and Michigan state, the over is 10 and two in the last 12 meetings and five and one in the last six games uh, of this season. So if you take, the three games Indiana's played in 2020, the three games that Michigan State's played in 2020, the over is five and one. So the the trends are definitely on your side there, Scott, that, that this could be an over. Uh, but I think this is going to be a game that kind of bucks the trend. I think that there's going to be a huge emphasis placed on turnovers on the offensive side. So I, I really think that we're going to get a little bit too conservative in this one. Um, and I think that's going to limit our ability to, to move the ball down the field. And so I think we're going to try to play a little bit more of the field position game. And I don't think Indiana's offense is quite explosive enough to take advantage of that too many times. Like I said, I think they'll get 26 on the board. I I would have a hard time seeing them scoring over 30, even though they are scoring 37 points per game. So I think that the Vegas line is a little bit of a reaction to what we've seen um, in terms of the points and not necessarily in terms of kind of the efficiency in the yards. So I'm going to lean on that and say Indiana wins this one, but Michigan state covers in and under. Uh, so that that's our predictions for this week. Again, I, I've been terrible so far in predict predicting MSU games. We we've, we've both been really solid in the big 10 as a whole. We predict, we predict every one of these big 10 games against the spread uh, the, so far this year, we've, we've been, pretty great i hate to you know pat ourselves on the back here but as a staff the four of us every single one of us is above 500 picking against the spread which is really hard to do i'm um, sitting at 10 8 and 1 scott you're at 11 7 and 1 i had a bad week last week so you took a little bit of an edge there uh, but yeah any, any last things before we hop into some recruiting news no i think i mean as always i'm excited to see what version we get uh, this week it's a, still an exciting team to watch and that you don't know what's coming um, and, and they've loosened things up from the previous staff so I think we take more shots this year we have a little bit more fun it's just generally more enjoyable from a objective perspective obviously from an emotional perspective it's been <laughs> challenging at times but uh, but yeah no I'm excited I think there's going to be a lot of uh, a lot of speed in this game and uh, the ball's going to be flying around maybe a little bit of chaos we'll see yeah, so we'll we'll continue on with the the kind of theme of this podcast. We've been all over the map here, <laughs> been a little bit messy, but um, let's let's dip into some recruiting news because there has been a lot since Monday. 
Uh, we start with, uh, let's see, what day was it? Three days ago, I think. Um, so Sunday was the commitment, the first commitment of the 2022 class. And that's Christian Phillips, Big Dooley, Big as Dooley. he's known. Uh, Big Dooley committed. He is a six foot five, 335 pound offensive guard prospect. Uh, again, just a junior right now uh, in the 2022 class. So the first commitment of the class, the important thing to note here, he's from Salem, Georgia. We're keeping that Georgia pipeline coming, which I, I think is a huge, huge factor um, is, is trying to recruit some of these kids from the South because that's where the talent is nowadays in, in college football. So keeping that Georgia pipeline open, getting our first commit to the 2022 class. Um, since then, uh, before we get to these 2021 commits, there has been quite a bit of noise as well in the 22 class uh, in the last couple of days. We had uh, Tyrell Henry, a three-star receiver. I know that there's been a couple of uh, uh, forecasts for him in rivals going to Michigan State. Uh, there's another guy, Gravin Brocious. He's a three-star offensive tackle. Um, there's been, I know Corey Robinson, literally 30 minutes ago, has forecasted him to Michigan State as well. So there's a little bit of noise coming here in this 2022 class we might start putting some of these things together as, as we're kind of filling out this 21 class. Um, Scott, I'll, I'll run through the names here in a sec, but as far as the commits that we've seen over the last couple of days, who's, who's one that really stands out to you? Are we only talking 22 for now? 21 as one well. In yeah, we, we've uh... seen kind of a flurry here. So of, of the last couple of days here, what, what was the one that kind of made your eyes pop out? Well, I think a lot has been made of Rayshon Benny. Uh, we were only going to avoid the, that topic for so long. It's unclear as for right now which side of the ball at Michigan State expects to play him on. Obviously, he's been talked about more as a defensive tackle, but I believe Michigan was actually recruiting him more on the offensive side. So we'll see what the plans are, but this is a huge get. You know, he said he, he had his mind made up before the Michigan game, and it was just gravy. You know, it's just a cherry on top that we happened to win that game. But, I mean, this is a guy that nobody expected us to have a chance. When D'Antonio was still ahead of the program, he pretty much publicly said, Michigan State's out. I'm not really interested. And now he has said in interviews within the past week, I could tell the difference between these staffs. And to have a guy, a four-star in-state guy like that, that was recruited by all the big, you know, names in, in college football, especially in our region, to have him put us back on the table solely because of what he saw from our coaching staff just speaks volumes to what Mel Tucker's doing for the culture and the, you know, just his general ability as a recruiter. So we've seen some other guys trickle in, in, in the 21 class, a uh, couple of defensive backs this week, which is obviously exciting. It's great, but you know, those are the kinds of guys that, that we've been seeing throughout this class. I think Rayshon Benny's really starting to, to show the, the step forward that we're expecting and hoping to take under Mel Tucker. And hopefully he'll, he'll set an example for future recruits to, to start to consider us again. Yeah. And, and like I said, it's been kind of a flurry this week here, but Rayshon Benny was definitely the highlight of that. He is a four-star kid, top 100 player in America, according to rivals. And I mean, the offer sheet is silly. You got basically all the big boys on there. You, you had, Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, Oregon, Penn State. And uh, yeah, it's it's somebody that, like you said, it's it's kind of a, 
a heat check a little bit for Mel Tucker because we 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 talked about him quite a bit as you know he's the recruiting guy he's going to bring a whole new energy recruiting wise and then for the first month there was so much activity and we were like okay yep this see we told you we told you this is our guy like and then it it got quiet for a while and then it just kind of nothing was really happening for a while there and now all of a sudden over the last couple of days we we've started to see a couple more guys pour in and and this is a big kind of turning point for for the recruiting for Mel Tucker and this staff but um Rayshon Benny obviously again the highlight um he he's offensive defensive lineman like you said we're we're not really sure what that's going to lead to where he's going to go on the, on either side of the ball I don't think anybody really knows uh, but he's been really productive on both sides so that's that's great uh, Brandon Baldwin was a Juco offensive tackle. Um, he's coming from independence community college in Kansas, where they filmed uh, one of the seasons of last chance you with that asshole head coach. I forgot his name. Um, I don't know if he actually played for him or not. I don't know if that dude's still there, but that dude was a freaking clown. If you, uh, did you watch that show? I did not know, but we have spoken at length oh my about God. it <laughs> it's a it's a phenomenal show like i i love last chance you and that season was super entertaining but this this head coach would just completely admit to the camera like like proud of the fact that he did no game planning because he was such a, a an offensive savant that he would just come up with his game plan like an hour before the game started. And it was like, what is this clown doing? And he'd be sitting in his hot tub smoking a cigar the day before the game. And they were like, you know, so coach, like, you know, or you got the game plan together. He's like, no, man, like, I- I'm not thinking about that kind of stuff. That's that stuff that, you know, I don't have to worry about. I'm an offensive savant. It was like, Jesus Christ, this dude. Um, so that's where Brandon Baldwin's coming from. Uh, but he's, he was, uh, he's a Juco again. Um, he's coming from Southfield originally. Uh, he was, uh, he had a, quite a bit of Mac offers and stuff. So it's not necessarily like, you know, a big time recruit like Rayshon Benny, but he is a guy that's coming in at six, seven. So I think that kind of fits what Mel Tucker is looking for on the offensive line. Um, and then yesterday was Stefan Johnson. He's a defensive back out of Florida, out of Venice, Florida. He was a three-star kid. Um, six foot one defensive back. Uh, again, you're looking for that same athletic size, speed profile um, that that Mel Tucker's been kind of famously recruiting now. So, uh, just kind of a big day, big week for the Spartans in terms of the recruiting trail. That bumps us up now. If you look at rivals, we're the number 33 class in America, um, which is you know a lot better than we were. Um, going into the week on 24-7 right now, as I'm looking, we're sitting at 42nd in the country. So, you know, look, it's not perfect. It's not a top 20 class. But when you you put everything together, the time he was hired, the circumstances surrounding it all, we've done a damn good job of putting this class together so far. I think we're at 18 commitments right now. Um, there's a couple guys that I think we're still – in the hunt for certainly. So we'll, we'll see kind of how that plays out. I know Raquan Bunkley is a guy uh, that has been leading Nebraska there. There hasn't really been a whole lot of noise about him in a long time. I really haven't heard much, um, but he's the guy Keon Coleman's wide receiver that yeah. I think, you know, we're starting to make some noise with. So 
Uh, there's certainly a couple guys still out there that can even make another impact for this class as a whole. But, you know, for, for him putting this thing together and, and finding 18 good recruits, I think is really, really impressive. Yeah. I mean, it's, it speaks, like I said earlier, speaks volumes to uh, the recruiter that Mel Tucker is. He's not, he doesn't have a lot to sell right now and he's doing a good job of selling it. I think, that Michigan game did a ton for us, just not necessarily just in the in-state and the rivalry situation, but just to prove to these prospects that this team and this staff has the ability to win big games. Um, it's going to take a lot to put it together as far as a consistency. Uh, but, you know, it just shows that there's things to look forward to. We're building something. Um, and yeah, keep an eye on, I know Keon Coleman, <laughs> I don't know how in depth, you want to go, but he was spotted a couple different times wearing an MSU sweatshirt on his Andrew Anthony's another one. Andrew Anthony, yeah, I mean, he's currently committed to Michigan, but I know he had some questionable tweets, and uh, we'll see if uh, <laughs> if we can flip him. Jojo Johnson's out there. He was talking yeah. about Michigan State a little bit lately. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's guys out there. It'd be great to land a few more of these. I think as far as this season goes, the it'll be really important to these 2022 prospects as they're still in the middle of kind of gathering their team lists and everything, it'll be important the rest of this season to, to show up and show, like I said, things to build on, things to be excited about, regardless of the results, just show them that, you know, the staff is trustworthy. The staff is doing a good job developing talent. And, uh, and we'll see if we can get a couple guys into the NFL draft. Obviously that would do a lot for the 2022 class as well. So um, it's exciting. Recruiting's not necessarily my forte, not where I spend most of my time, uh, you know, researching, but uh, certainly a big week for us. I think that Rayshon Benny get is huge. Um, and uh, hopefully we can keep up the momentum. Yeah. And like, I mean, you know, the, the kind of last comment here is again, like you look at 33rd in the country, you look at 42nd in the country and say, okay, you know, all right, we, we did something at least, but it's not, it's still not good. You're really hanging right around programs. You look on both services, rivals and 24 seven, we're within five or six spots of, and even ahead of Washington, Penn state, Auburn, Virginia tech, uh, some really good programs that you, that historically recruit very well, Arizona state, um, South Carolina. These are schools that have maybe even better recruiting footprints as far as their region, uh, have established coaching staffs and all of that. So, for, you know, I really commend the job that that this staff has done. I know Chris Kapilovich has been a huge part of recruiting these these trench guys in the trenches like Rayshon Benny. So we'll see if that momentum keeps up here. So uh, that's that's let's let's wrap this thing up here. I think we've uh, we've kind of talked about everything I need to talk about. Maybe something will pop up on my head here and i'll just throw that on twitter so at standing room msu on twitter at spartan martin 18 on twitter at standing room spartans on instagram uh please subscribe leave a review on apple podcast tell your friends and family again you know i say it every week but i do really appreciate everybody who supports this everybody who subscribes everybody who listens every week all of the comments on twitter I mean, it's, it, it really is crazy to think that, you know, Hey, I'm just, I'm just a fan of, of Michigan state and I love talking about it. So, you know, for the fact that a lot of people out there are willing to listen to us is pretty exciting. So I really appreciate all of that. And we will see you next week, hopefully as a two and two 500 football team, 
likely as a one and three football team as we take on Indiana on Saturday noon kickoff. Have yourselves a great weekend. Have yourselves a great rest of your Thursday. Take care, folks.